Welcome to the ID10T podcast number 963. This episode brought to you by LinkedIn, uh, the world's largest professional network. Also, the better way to find great talent. Okay, so maybe you post to job boards and maybe you cross your fingers that you're going to find the right person for the job. But how often do you check job boards? For most people, never or very occasionally. But there is a place, and I know you've heard of it, where uh, professional people go to explore job opportunities. 70% of the U.S. workforce is in there. It's LinkedIn. Uh, just ask any of the hundreds of thousands of businesses who've posted to LinkedIn jobs over the past year. And because LinkedIn considers skills, experiences, location, and more to match or promote your job to potential candidates, businesses rate LinkedIn jobs 40% higher than job boards at delivering quality candidates. 22 million professionals view and apply to jobs on LinkedIn every week in every industry. If you're not using LinkedIn for your high needs, then you may not be getting the right people. So go to linkedin.com slash ID10T to get a $50 credit toward your first job post. That's linkedin.com slash ID10T for your $50 credit today. Terms and conditions apply. Um, Let's see. What do I got? Oh, hey, I'm going to do a uh, show in Seattle uh, at the Neptune. Uh, I don't know why I had to say it like (laughs) a British chimney sweep. But uh, that's October 26th, so I want to do sort of like – I want people to come in costume. I want to give out candy. I want to. I want it to feel like it's Halloween weekend, which it is. So um, those tickets are on uh, Ticketmaster right now, uh, Seattle, Neptune Theater, October 26th. Katie, what do you have on the cork board? We got a couple of cool things. Uh, Bobic Ferdosi, who works at JPL, you might know him. He's at Tweets Out Loud on, on Twitter, and he's got the cool hair. He writes, uh, have you ever wanted to build your own robot or learn about electronics? Mind Makers is a nonprofit dedicated to providing hands-on engineering education to new adult learners. They've developed a free co- curriculum that can teach people with zero tech background, electrical, mechanical, and software engineering. They're even designing kits to let you build fun projects at home. They're having a party coming up this Sunday afternoon, June 3rd in L.A., where they're showing off some of their designs, including robotic photo booth that puts lighting camera angles and wind in your hair, plus interactive dance floor and, and, and food, drinks, entertainment, and souvenirs. You can check out event.mindmakersproject.org for tickets and info. And it sounds like a lot of fun. Fantastic. Uh, also, the SPCA of L.A. is having a big adoption event this Saturday, June 2nd in Long Beach. All adoption fees will be reduced 50%, and there will be a meet-and-greet with DJs from KLOS, KABC, giveaways, auctions, food trucks, and more. So go to spcala.com for more info. This episode is my friend Allie Ward, who is a genius and a brilliant presenter and just an all-around wonderful human being. Um, she does a podcast you should listen to called Ologies, which is fantastic. Uh, she's also on Innovation Nation on CBS every Saturday, and she has new uh, Netflix shows coming out soon, but she's the best. Uh, such a wonderful, thoughtful, intelligent human being promoting good science in the world and uh, someone who's just – very easy to talk to and very open and very um, – just just makes you feel okay. <laughs> She's but I, just awesome. She is the best. <laughs> um, so I'm, I'm so honored and proud to be her friend, Allie Ward. And so you should support any and everything that she does. And she's fantastic on this episode of the podcast as well. Um, this episode also brought to you by Mattress Firm. Uh, if you're struggling to get to sleep, which a lot of us are, then the fine people at Mattress Firm want to help. They are America's neighborhood mattress store, and they're going to help you stretch your budget a little bit further when you're looking for ways to improve your sleep. These are mattress experts, but also they're going to help you build your bed from headboard to adjustable bases to sheets. They even have decor. So 
They have you covered in any way that you want, both literally and figuratively. Plus, if you go to mattressfirm.com, you'll save 10% with the code PODCAST10, PODCAST and the number 10, through June 5th. Mattress Firm offers a 120-night sleep trial to ensure perfection and a 120-night low-price guarantee, so you know you paid the perfect price. Go to mattressfirm.com to learn how your sleeping could be tremendously improved. Also, Black Tux, sponsoring this episode of the ID10T Podcast, the easy way for guys to rent suits and tuxedos online. Um, whether you're going in for a stylist-selected outfit or building a custom look, the Black Tux has tons of new suits and tuxedos to choose from, from any of your big events. You know, it's we're, we're getting into summer now, so I've seen a lot of wedding posts oh, on yeah. Instagram. There are a lot of... People, people are getting married And you can rent a new tux every time you go to a wedding. Every time cool. you every go time. to a wedding. They can change up your look. They can make it fun to try out different suits and tuxedos. Even if you have your own suit, switching it up to black tux is always a great idea. And then you're not wearing the same thing yeah. every single time. Uh, and they have a new fit algorithm where you don't have to awkwardly measure yourself or ask a friend for help. They're going to do it for you. Plus, the Black Tux free home try-on lets you see the fit and feel the quality of your suit months before whatever your event is. After ordering, your suit's going to arrive 14 days before your event. And returns are very simple. You wear it. You turn all those heads at the (laughs) event of your choosing and then send it back three days after the event. Shipping is free both ways. Stand out at your event for the right reasons with the Black Tux. To get $20 off your purchase, visit theblacktux.com slash ID10T. That's theblacktux.com slash ID10T for 20 bucks off your purchase. The Black Tux premium rental suits and tuxedos delivered. Here's the ID10T podcast number 963. Oh, I like that. 963. 963. Oh, yeah. 963 going backwards. <laughs> oh, God, that just, that makes my math heart happy. 963. And the fact that it's an Allie Ward podcast, it's perfect. It's, it it's just, kismet. it was destined to be this <laughs> Allie Ward episode 963 of the ID10T podcast. Katie, roll the 963. Initiating ID10T protocol. Here's what happened. Almost a year ago, we were up in our bedroom, and I was looking... I have to just talk about this on the podcast, because it's kind of a fun story. But a year ago... That's so, yeah, that's cool. We were, um, we were up in our bedroom, and we were looking down, and I, I just kind of glanced out the window and looked in the pool and thought I saw something at the bottom of the pool. I'm like, that looks like a thing. Okay. And I, I turned around, and I was like... I think there's something in that. And I didn't get that sentence out of my head before Lydia, like, whipped her clothes off, threw a bathing suit on, and was, like, already out the door. By the time I started heading out the door, she was diving into the pool. And when I got down there, she, I have pictures of it. She had this, this lizard. This, and you can see it. It's like a pretty good-sized lizard. Yeah, yeah. And she, <laughs> the sweetest thing I've ever seen. She was, like, trying to massage water out of it. And she had just, like... She had just pinched its little mouth, and she was trying to blow into it. And I go, what are you doing? And she was like, I'm trying to give it some kind of mouth-to-mouth. And I go, Lids, it's not. like he was. It looked like he was just at the bottom of the pool. He's not moving. Right. But she managed to get a little bit of water out of him, and it, he just he was gone. Okay, he didn't cough. And he, say, he did not cough. So and was like, blah, blah, blah. Like, How great would that be? He was just gone. And so um, 
you know, we we have like museum style taxidermy in the house. A lot of it's old, like vintage. I've noticed. And then the the ones that aren't were never, you know, like they like these guys were not killed to be taxidermy. They either died naturally or they, you know, were found or whatever it was. How do you know? Do they give you a certificate? Do they sign like sign off? Like Well, a lot of these places unless you're buying vintage, unless you're buying vintage where you you know like well this is, you know, this is really really old. Um yeah, yeah, they like the places that we would get it from say like they know where it came from. Like it wasn't like, "Oh, we just shot this thing cuz fuck him." Um I feel like old ones though were all like strangled by someone's great uncle. Like They probably were, but I feel like they, in that case, I go like, well, they would have been dead by now. Like it was, you know, very true. 80, 90, 100 years ago. But so, so, so this guy, and uh, so we, we didn't save him, but I thought it was such a sweet thing that she was trying to do. So uh, I, we I put him in a little bag and um, put him in the freezer and then sent him to a taxidermist who then, I, I got this like St. George skull uh, this little St. George and the Dragon skull, and uh, and they wrapped him around. Oh. And it took like eight or nine months to get it done. I bet. I wonder if they're, if, you know, how do you know they didn't lose it and it's a different one? <laughs> Hopefully that didn't happen. I weirdly remember it. You're like, oh, I know this face. I yeah, know this guy. It's an this guy's al- my friend. It's an alligator lizard, and I'm impressed that neither one of you just blew it off as like a pool turd. Because like I, at the bottom <laughs> of a, from afar, yeah. it's just a little brown little guy. Yeah. Yeah, those guys must have been just ha- must have been parched, just kneeling down for a sip, and then and then fell in. I know, and then was just and then just didn't you know just but didn't make it. That's a baller move of Lydia to just straight up magical mermaid it, where she's like, "Watch this: A, I'm going to die for this thing at the bottom of the pool. B, I'm going to bring it back to life." She maybe. tried. She really yeah. tried. She tried to bring it back to life, and then ultimately it just. He just didn't make it, so now you know he's a permanent permanent fixture in our in our home. He's a beautiful thing. You name it or no? You know we don't have a name yet. Oh. I wonder what we should. Uh... Do you name any of your text? Drowny? No. Drowny. <laughs> no. 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 Uh, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Neptune. I don't know what ne- ne- Neptune's a pretty great name. Titan. But, uh, I don't know because she really did. You know, she really did try to save him, and uh, and now. But now we saved him forever. I got a couple of those. I always have a couple of dead things in my freezer. You do? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, what do you have? Um, right now I have a, a mantis that I tried to revive. Mm-hmm. Clearly it did not work out. <laughs> so every time I go to like get some frozen vegetables, I'm reminded that I'm like, oh, sorry, buddy. And I haven't pinned it or anything, but it's just in there. And um, you always have to warn someone who's going for ice, who's come over, like, ooh. Uh, by the way. Ooh. Now, by the way, I, and me, by the way, I know this because... For years, I had boxes of unpinned insects in my fridge that I bought at the bug fair, which the insect fair, which happens at the Museum of Natural History here in Los Angeles in May. And I bought them years ago. And it's so much fun because you really go through and it's 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 like a produce section. It's it's like (laughs) it's like it's like a street fair. You're like, oh, I want. You know, I want that stick insect, and I want this longhorn beetle, and I want this colossus. Be- and uh, and they pull it out, and you have your little box, and they pin it in for you. Mm-hmm. And then it's kind of up to you to mount it. And I just yeah. never did. 
That's what happens. I feel like a lot of people go in with those intentions. They're like, I'm sick of buying my bugs from like high top shelf retailers. I'm in this enough where I'm going to go in. I'm going to get a straight pinned. It's going to be it's going to be like alfresco right. commando. They're just going to give me the pin. I got this. And then you yeah you walk around with like essentially like a pizza box full of pinned insects, <laughs> and you're just like, and there's one million kids, and you're like, please don't bump my lantern. Please don't bump. These are yeah. very fragile. <laughs> I know. Well, because it, what you realize is that. It, you, you you think it's you, you see pinned insects and you go well how hard is this yeah. and then you forget that it's like trying to it, they're like they're like stiff tissue paper yeah and the leg you know like to, so to see to see preserved insects where the legs and the antenna have not fallen off is like that's real artistry behind yeah that. that's a feat yeah. I I once lived in a place because I've had a bug collection for years I remember one of the first things I bought of any value after I moved to LA it was a huge purchase for me it was $65 mm-hmm, mm-hmm. which back then I think I was living in like a Culver City apartment for like $400 a month yep. or um, $65 on something that I couldn't eat was egregious. I was like, if I can't eat this in the apocalypse, I should not be spending money. <laughs> but it was $65 I saved up, and I was like, whoo. And it's this, uh, it's like four beetles, like a Goliath beetle and a rhinoceros beetle. And I, I bought it. Um, it was like my first bug in my bug collection. And so, you know, I've gotten a bunch of them as gifts. And, you know, over the years, I'll find something, you know, under a desk and be like, I'll put it in a frame. Mm-hmm. And so now I have this bug collection. But um, I had, <laughs> I lived in this apartment once where the ceiling collapsed. And, oh, my um, God. Which was like, L.A., what are you going to do? It was a real nightmare. Don't don't. Was there an earthquake or your ceiling was just like, I'm done? No, it rained for about five minutes. And then in L.A., roofs are like, well, that's enough. <laughs> so it just, what is this? Bah, I quit. <laughs> I lived in like this, like kind of this like shack in Silver Lake. But it was um, the ceiling started to blister and it just became like this big boil. And I was like, this is this is not going to end well. Oh, no. And I so I stood there with my phone recording it and I just waited for it to rupture. And it did. And it was spectacular. <laughs> it was just it was just the muddiest, grossest water. Anyway, so. My landlord at the time had disappeared into like rehab or something, and he got these two guys that he met in <laughs> Narcotics Anonymous to fix the roof. And one of them was so kind, um, he left me some dead bugs on the doorstep. Oh, <laughs> at one point. Nice. And I was like, oh, so I came home to like some moldy dead bugs in a frame. Let me ask you a question the people who yeah. fixed your roof, were they cats? They were not cats. Okay, because that's a cat move. That's a cat move. Uh, it was not a hot tin roof okay. at all. Uh, uh, well played. They were not, I wouldn't call them proficient in the art of roofing. Okay, I all think right. technically they were plumbers. They're, they were roof-ish? They were roof adjacent, let's just say. <laughs> um, but yeah, and I and I had I held those... I'm a floor guy, but that's just an inverse roof. Hey, yeah, it's just a turn it on its head. It's a well, different kind of art. Big, what's the big boy? I don't understand. Water in a pipe, water through your roof. What's, what's the, the problem? I don't understand. What's the problem? Here's a dead bug. Here's a dead bug. But I got it. I held. I held on to them for a while, and then at one point, I was like, "These are moldy," and they give me a little bit of the creeps. Yeah. So they went in the dumpster. Yeah. But um. But yeah, I've tried to pin my own. Sometimes all you need is an IKEA frame and some steady hands. That's true, and and I and I do know that there are ways like where you know if if the butterfly is is folded up and it's in the wax paper, then you. You know, like put it in, like you put wet paper towels on top of the wax paper and that hydrates it mm-hmm. so that you can move it. But it's a real puzzle box to keep that thing, you know, together when you really start pinning it. Just do me a favor. Mm-hmm. Don't do any other kind of taxidermy. Stop at bugs. Stop at bugs. Stop at bugs. Yeah. I yeah. learned that the hard way. Don't find squirrels 
and uh, and then just decide like I I want to have this forever. Now we sent this to a professional who we did not say well we're going to just fix this lizard on here ourselves this little alligator lizard. So uh, you use a professional. Get a pro. I saw through some antlers once and I regretted the decision immediately. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> I was like, I was like, I have relatives in Montana and so they they're just skulls of plenty up there and they're like we heard you city girl like like a skull and i was like i would love to put like a deer skull on my roof and like we found this in a field not killed mm-hmm. sitting in the shed do you want it and i was like sure so i put it in my luggage and then i remember in the airport being like do i have i should tell someone <laughs> does it it doesn't say tsa no skulls does it i mean carry on carry on is yeah. that a problem i don't no. know but it's like flesh still on the skull so i was like so i told someone and they they had to like radio four different supervisors because they're like we don't know how to handle this like they're like tina we got a skull and a thing. There's a, some bitches here with a. And so I got it home to California, and then I was like, I'll just, I guess, ooh, I'll just like saw off the antlers, like question mark. And I had a hacksaw. And so. Oh my gosh. Dude. So don't do that? Not recommended. What happened? That smells real bad. <laughs> smells real bad. And I had a, I like didn't have a workspace at the time, so I was just like, I guess you just do this in the bathtub probably that's i mean that seems like a great place to saw an antler right it's a catch-all spot of course so anyway it smells real bad and when you're about one minute into it you're like abort 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 (laughs) how far did you get i got all the way uh because i was like determined but i i mentioned it to my dad i was like he's like hey what'd you do with the skull that uh cousin stacy gave you and um i was like i mounted it i had to saw through it and he's like oh yeah that smells real bad huh Uh, and i was like how do you that. You could have warned a person. Could have warned. So yeah, is consult a professional. So you know, this is we're going to be revolving around the idea that this, you know, our love of insects, our love of these types of things, is because we love science. And yes. I'm sure, like me and my wife, you probably always wanted to live in a museum, which is why our house looks oh. the way that it does. Yeah, your house is very museum esque. <laughs> it's so like even if you were just like we're just going to roll on on empty audio, I'd be like, that's cool. I'm coming over anyway just to look around. But it's amazing. <laughs> yeah, my and my place is like that too. Everything is um, yeah, just bug diagrams on the wall and like old vials of rattlesnake rattles and stuff like that. But yeah, I don't know. And was has Lydia always been into that? as well as she always been like yes and what was interesting is when we started dating I noticed there was one the first Christmas we were a couple we gave each other the exact oh like three or four presents there was like a piece of vintage taxidermy uh-huh. there was like an in- a framed insect it was like it was crazy. We kept on like, oh my god! Well, here, you know, it was like that kind of thing. And so when we got married, I, you know, someone, you know, people sort of say that hacky thing, like, oh, did your wife make you give up all your nerdshit? And I was like, no, our both of our collections doubled. <laughs> so that was kind of that was kind of. Nice. Do you still have a place in the basement where all your action figures are? Though, be honest, uh, I'll show you the basement. There are the basement is a collection of because that's where we made that the TV room. And it's half Lydia's horror prop collection. Oh my and god, that's half right. My animation cell and Disney collection. <gasps> so it just like all together, you know, makes a whole th- and there's a TARDIS down there. Damn. Yeah, I know. This is a good merger. It's a good it was a good partnership. <laughs> we merged the two kingdoms. That's so I, it's great that you guys got each other. You're like, we're so on brand right now. Like, you know, like you get it. I get I think when you when you like a thing, like when you like science, when you like natural history stuff, like 
people that know you well like know what to get you do you know what i mean yes, like yes. and that's so it, that you feel so seen you're like huh. well yeah and i and i don't think she had ever dated like a legitimate nerd guy before and i think she'd probably just dated like actor guys or whatever and so she rarely let people come up to her apartment cuz she was just like oh people are just going to think i'm weird oh. and i was like no Wrong, the wrong people. You found your tribe. I mean, whether or not it's a new boyfriend or your plumber roofer, <laughs> it's just nice to be appreciated. I mean, I, I actually loved... The other thing that I like to do is I like to collect, you know, T-shirts from science museums and aquariums. And, and so I always, I always get... I wore this one especially for this podcast. Oh, my God. It's Puffins. It's so great. Yeah, it's Puffins, the uh, National Aquarium in Baltimore, which is a really old... This is actually a pretty... I bought this as vintage, but... Um, That's dope. But, you know, there, the, the thing that I always want to say to some of these institutions is, like, get better artists. Because, like, some of the T-shirts just look like, oh, you just, like, went to cafe press or whatever and just put a couple words on a shirt right but this you, there, there, there could be like a really cool design to this and then you would appeal to the design nerds and then they would wear your can promote i know thing. like the time for clip art on shirts is past. <laughs> it's like over we're past that. please guys no more did you know that thing about um porgs being puffins did you read that no so apparently you know what i'm talking about so apparently they when they were shooting the last star wars they were like what are we gonna do with all these puffins we got so many puffins so they're like i don't know man turn them into porgs that, so those are actually puffins. A lot of them in the background are just extras, like porgs or uh, puffins that just would not get out of the shot. I like, like to imagine that they're like Andy Circus puffins who put on like a full green <laughs> mocap suit and like little ball, like green balls all that map their little heads. Yep. I'm in the background yeah. getting a daily yeah. wage. So just be a puffin. That's what I need to do. What's yep. my motivation? You're a puffin. Okay. But apparently, and I haven't seen, I haven't seen the latest Star Wars. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. What the? I know, but I'm really want to see it for the puffins. I just haven't got around to it. <laughs> I haven't I got around busy. to it. Shit's busy. I know. But I, but I was excited to have you on because you, uh, you are a like-minded. Um, workaholic go-getter your instagram feed <laughs> stresses me out so oh, much no. from the sense in the sense that i i used to think i traveled a lot and i'm like every other day you're in some different vista where it's like oh here i now i'm in the wilderness and now i'm in this city and now i'm in a cave and here's some you know I mean, just can you just for people listening, kind of list <laughs> everything that you're working on right now? Oh God, I do. Uh, I should tell. Also, I did go to a Workaholics Anonymous meeting. I went. To, <laughs> I went to one. Chris, I went to one, and then there were like Monday nights, and I was like, "Got it. See you guys next Monday. Got it. Don't work too hard. I'm on it." And then every single Monday since then, I've had something going on, and I have not been back. It's been months. Who runs this meeting? They all go. I, I do. Oh, of course. Yeah, everyone's got a. You know, but I didn't realize that, like, workaholism was, like, an actual... I thought it was just something you used to, like, to say that you are hustling. Like, I'm so good. But it's it actually... Colloquially, yes. Yeah, yeah. But there is there is a real thing behind... And it all, it all, it all revolves kind of around the same thing of just, you know, like, running away from problems and trying to distract yourself with, you know, whatever it is. Booze, alcohol, sex, drugs, work, you know? Right. But I just... And I knew that when I got sober, I knew, like, I, I think I'm going to throw myself into work. 
while I try to figure out why I want to do that. Because I, at least if I'm going to obsess about something, at least I want to build something constructive. Right. And ha- you can monetize that. Usually it's like a <laughs> deficit on the, all the, everything else costs money, but. Most people don't get paid to drink. That's 15 very hours true. Yeah. I have gotten, I have gotten paid to drink working for Cooking Channel, but that's a separate that's story. That's a separate story that's very specific. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think I, there's something about when you really love what you do and you you come to the city to do it and it's you know I wanted to work in TV and film since I was 12 so it's just like when you're here you're just gonna take it's like being at a buffet of you just gonna load up your plate with as much stuff right, as you can right so I think I'm kind of like that but um, I've worked on a science show for CBS for the last four years called uh, Innovation Nation that's mm-hmm. with Mo Rocca from The Daily Show so I travel around a ton for that and I interview like engineers and like the rocket scientists who invented the super Super Soaker and the guy who created, oh, wow. you know, 3D printing and uh, and all these amazing inventors. I would travel around a bunch for that. And then, um, oh my gosh, this year, I am just started a new Netflix show that's a science show too. So I'm Fantastic. shooting in, in New York and LA for that. And then um, I just did a year um, working with GE and Adam Savage yeah, from Mythbusters. I saw those, yeah. And was touring all over the world, like learning about like renewable energy and crazy uh, jet engines and all this cool stuff. Um and then I have my podcast, Ologies, mm-hmm. which is like the most fervent hustle of all of them because it's just so much work, but I love it the most. So Ologies is basically every episode is a different field of study. Yeah. And are, was there a point where you're like, we're going to run out of Ologies, but there's, pro- there's probably a near infinite number of Ologies. There's so many. It's What was the staggering. one that surprised you the most? Oh, my God. Um, there's one that's Poganology, which is the study of beards. Oh, wow. And I'm like, why and who? Where? Why? Sure. I have yet to find a pogonologist. Um, I just interviewed a toothologist who's a squid scientist, and we talked all about like invisibility cloaks Holy and shit. microbiomes and uh, our octopuses, uh, possibly alien DNA involved. Right. Um, and I talked to a mythologist this last week. That was really cool. So it's not all science. Like I'll throw in cosmetology or mythology in there too. Who was it? I think it was Michio Kaku. Was he the one that said that? Alien life probably resembles something like an octopod. I don't know who said that. I don't know, but that's... I mean, I did ask the toothologist. I was like, octopus, Dan. I like, give me the skinny. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, let's talk. I mean, off mic. Like, they're aliens, right? (sighs) Like, you can tell me. (laughs) And she was like, apparently, so they they sequenced a genome of an octopus. And they were like, oh, man, that's crazy. It's like, almost like an alien. And then everyone's like, everyone went back to their typewriters and like, breaking news. The octopus is aliens. So, um. Did you leave any part of that out? (laughs) No. No. Just get in the school. Oh, verbatim. Aliens. Well, you just said that there's a lot of different... Nope, those nope, are aliens. That's it. Yep. Um, but the coolest thing about... I think every every person that I talk to, every ologist I talk to is so passionate about what they do. Like, they're almost obsessed with a singular field, a lot of them. And and it's great to hear when, when that started. What happened in childhood that made them so into, like, spiders or fish or... Um, or cosmetics or the cosmos or whatever. I had Katie Mack on, who's like this amazing cosmologist, astrophysicist. And um, and so talking to each of them about why they like what they do and kind of distilling what they know down into like cocktail party facts, you know, like you don't have to walk away from each episode, like knowing everything, but just understanding why it's important. And usually I throw in a bunch of like self-help stuff in there too. <laughs> of course. Well, that's great. Because, you know, I think that um, interdisciplinary study of you know taking bits and pieces of different fields and kind of like how can i apply this this i mean that's just innovative and if you could do that for yourself oh for real i don't see any reason to not 
to not do that. Yeah, I end up learning something from each of them. Like, you know, I had a thanatologist on who studies death and dying. She's like dual certified. She's into death. Her mission is to change the way people die. She wants people to not be so afraid of death, to live life um, in a way that is more authentic to who they are. Because, you know, we talked a lot about, like, on people's deathbeds, they're, they're really, they're so regretful of how they weren't themselves their whole life. And so her mission is to have us be less afraid of death, confront it while we're still alive, instead of just, like, waiting for it to sneak up on us, like getting, you know, wearing white jeans and getting your period or something, which is, like, a nightmare. <laughs> That's, like, how I view death. It's just like every day, every day you're wearing and you're like, am I going to spill mustard on this? Am I going to get my period? What's going to happen? So it's just like confront a head on, be prepared and um, don't live your life in fear. And so I end up and I had a sports psychologist on who talked all about like performance anxiety and preparation before big events. And it's just crazy. Like it's very selfish. It's so selfish of me. I will go into each one being like, here's what I need help with. Well, but the reason I think that's really important is because it, that makes it very personal to you. And that's what's different between just listening to someone interrogate someone <laughs> versus have a real conversation. And then that, and then you're actually, you're actually sort of taking like an emotional applied science a- approach where like, okay, so what, you know, what can we learn from this? What can we learn from this outside of just the facts about the octopus or the facts about death or the facts about beards? Like, what can we learn <laughs> to be better people or to, and, and so, and so you're, you're essentially the vessel for, for your listeners for that. So I think by all means you have, you have to do that because that's what'll keep you curious and interested. Right. I think that that's like, I, I got to be friends with a lot of scientists. I started uh, volunteering at the natural history museum a couple years ago. Cause I was just so depressed. I was, so, I had, I hit this like nadir personally, professionally, everything was great. I had a new show on, I was doing press for it. I had like a spread in Cosmo magazine where it's like, look at Allie Ward. What an entertainer at home. Like this is like. <laughs> How does she do it? Yeah. Like look at her tray of melon wedges and whatever. And then in, but inside my dad. White jeans period. No yeah. problem. <laughs> I'm ready for it. <laughs> but in my real life, I was just like, my dad had just been diagnosed with cancer and he's doing well. And just FYI, which is great. Um, great. And, uh, I interviewed a, someone who specializes in his kind of cancer as well, which was very therapeutic. But, um, I, you know, I'd just gone through this really sad breakup that just devastated me. And so I was really, like, shiny on and happy on Instagram. But just inside, I was, like, just doubled over crying all the time. And so I, I went on a tour of the Natural History Museum. And they're like, you should volunteer here. And I was like, sure. Um, and I ended up just going to orientation. I was like, okay, sign me up. So I just started going, like, one week one morning of the week just because I needed to be somewhere else. I wanted to be somewhere that didn't have to do anything with work. It was just like little kids, like looking at frogs and, you know, older people volunteering because they just want to get out of the house. And so I started doing that and I met all these scientists and I realized that like scientists are so human and we never see that side of them. We only see like a blurb in a press release or you know, maybe a, a talking head about, you know, talking about climate change for two seconds right. on CNN. But they're they're gross and hilarious and they swear all the time and they drink <laughs> and they have, they have weird personal lives. And they and so I part of my thing with ologies is I just wanted to, to show the human side of who's doing the science. It's not like there's not this clear divide of like there are regular people and then there are scientists. It's like, no, there are scientists are very regular normal people and they have these great stories to tell that's so important because i think it 
narrows the gap for people who maybe are interested in science. Right. Like, oh, I'm not like that guy I saw on TV. It's like, we don't have to be like that person. You can be yourself and also, you know, do this. A hundred percent. And I think that there's this weird thing about science where people think that it's so binary. It's, It's you're wrong or you're right. And scientists are right. And the beautiful thing about science is that it's the the path to knowledge is paved with failures. Mm-hmm. It's like experimentation is failure after failure. And I think that once you've realized that science becomes much more approachable and curiosity becomes more important than knowledge. I think that's the thing that I really have loved doing about ologies is that it's curiosity that gets shit done, mm-hmm. not knowing stuff. Cause you're not going to know anything unless you're curious. And so you end up getting to apply that to all these things in your life. Like maybe, um, you know, I don't have the knowledge of what mattress to buy, but the fact that I care is fine. You know what I mean? Like, so I think just uh, being curious and asking people questions and not being ashamed of not knowing things is is how you live like this better life. And so I've found that, you know, episode after episode, I've gotten, a, you know, a little bit better at that. But I'm always just, I'm always really inspired by by people who tell me about their failures on the way to to learning great things. Yeah, because you know there, there's such a stigma to failure. Yeah, and I mean, or even how we perceive or define failure. But ultimately, if you didn't have failures, you would not learn, nor would you appreciate when things went right. Right. <laughs> you know, you wouldn't. You know, for every like bad thing that's happened, or for every bad relationship, you wouldn't appreciate the good ones. If you didn't have the bad ones, you wouldn't understand. It's like you kind of you kind of need that polarity to really appreciate the full scope of everything. So yeah, and, and we're so there's so much stigma with like, oh, I failed. This wasn't. Like, I know. No, but that's you're learning. You're learning. You don't fail unless you give up. I mean, and even then, you know, maybe it's just like time to try something else. Yeah. I, I don't know. But but the idea of like failure is, it's not anything. It's just. Okay, pick up. How do how do we how do we learn from this? Yeah, I used to be super ashamed of it. I used to be very like, oh man, if I didn't nail something on the first try, I was like, oh, I guess I'm not meant to be here. Right. Like I used to be very self defeating. Ooh, what's that? I think is that an auto harp? Those what's are wind chimes. It's not an auto harp. That's really funny. <laughs> <What's> <laughs> I'm glad happening? that was the first thing you thought of. <laughs> an auto harp. The, the, the auto harp, for people who don't remember, is the instrument that everyone was able to strum in grade school because mm-hmm. you can push the, oh, this is an A and this is a C and this yeah. is a D. Easy peasy. Bling, bling. Is that yeah. a go ghost? No, it's not a go go ghost, although my wife is fairly convinced. No, she's 100% convinced the okay. house has a ghost. Uh, bury the lead. What? Uh, I don't know. She says, she was, she's like, look, I'm, I, there have been times where I heard a voice and I heard footsteps and a door closed. And I was mad at you because you didn't come say hi to me when you got home. And I looked outside and your car wasn't there and it wasn't you and no one was in the house. And I'm like, yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't buy it. We, we, I, I tease her about this all the time. So you don't believe in ghosts? N- no. She's like agnostic to a believer. She, yes. Okay. My feeling is, you know, first of all, it just, I, just, I would love, I would think it would be amazing. Okay. It would be great. But... I, if someone could, even if it was just like, well, there's the, this is where the parallel universes are just sort of folding onto it. And then I'd be right. like, okay, I can see way into that. But I honestly feel like with as much surveillance as everyone has all the time in their pockets, cameras fucking everywhere, that, you know, still in the Discovery Channel, it's like, these are spirit orbs. Like, that's fucking dust reflecting light in a photograph, you know? Like, I know. There would be... 
that so, people are looking actively like someone would get it somewhere on a phone or something. I agree with you. I, but I, I feel a butt coming. No, no, no. I agree with you. But sometimes I like to I like to think that there's something about like some unknown dark matter. Like when I interviewed a cosmologist, we talked about dark matter, which I, I still don't fully understand. But like dark matter, dark energy that like makes it so that if you it just that maybe if you wanted to have ESP or like tell your friend like across town, like bring me an orange Fanta right. and they would just show up with one and you could blame it on dark matter. I mean, listen, wouldn't that be great? I'm willing to accept that we're all made up of molecules which have electrons. Okay. There's an electromagnetic sure. field that surrounds the earth. So if we, it feels like the Wi-Fi is there. Right. But it just doesn't transmit out of our fucking skulls that get in the way. And that's not to say cut your skull open and, you know, do a drop top. But I really think that it just, there was some way, it, like someone would, ha- it'd be like, a, there'd be definitive something with as much surveillance as there is in the world. I feel you, but I do think it's fun. It is fun. To yeah, think there, of like an no old question. colonial man walking around just farting around in your house. Oh my God. My friend April Richardson, who opens for me a lot on the road, she is petrified of ghosts. And I always like to do the thing where I go, and now I just immediately get the look when I go, okay, what would you do? And she's like, fuck, here we go. <sighs> if you woke up and in, the, at the, and in the corner of the room, you shine your light and there was just, it was just like the back of an old woman, but she's facing <gasps> the corner. And she was like, shut the fuck up. And I'm like, okay, what if it was like a Confederate ghost? Don't even say it. Civil War ghosts or what I put, you know. So I do like to I do like to to play that game sometimes. Um, I sometimes will hear ghost stories and my eyes will well up and I don't even I'm not even I'm just like just stop it. Why are they doing that? Now I will say I ha- I have had ghost story exchanges with people where yes my eyes well up too. I'm like oh my <gasps> god those feelings I hate feeling them. But I do I do wonder though why we don't see more modern ghosts why we don't see like a ghost from the eighties with just a lot of hair gel. You know I I had a bit about that exact thing in my first stand up special because. <laughs> You only ever, it's like, and part of the, like, the bit was like, is the, is the bureaucracy of the ghosting process, like, is there just so much red tape that it takes about 80 or 100 years to, like, finally, you know, it's sort of like in Beetlejuice where they have all the numbers. Right. Know? Like, does it take that long? It takes that so long. So in 100 years, they're going to, yeah, they're going to be like, you know, uh, Pantera go- ghosts or like, you know, like chain wallet ghosts or whatever. I, I don't know. The soul patch ghosts. Yes. Yeah, so- <laughs> Dark night of the soul patch. The spin doctors. Oh, go- oh God. Two princes. Zoot <laughs> Riot. I don't think I've ever seen one. I, I don't think I've ever seen one. But what's the most scared you've ever been in your life for real? Like legit scared. Like, like paranormally scared? No, just in general. Like, the most scared. The most you needed a space diaper. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I mean... Boy, I don't... You know, as someone who's anxious a lot of the time, boy, that's a tough... That's a tough one. I can't remember, like, any one moment. I mean, I used to be utterly terrified of flying. Got Uh, over it? I did, yeah. yeah. Because I just figured... I just knew I had to. I'm like, I can't be a comedian and too, like, I'm going to have to just figure this out. Right. Um, and it's also, it's such a hackneyed one to be afraid of. I mean, come on. You're in the, you're a couple miles in the sky. What can go wrong? I mean, it's fine. <laughs> well, that's why, that's why I think, like, people aren't, I think most people, when they say they're, if they say they're afraid of dying, I think what they're actually afraid of is dread. They're afraid of dread because they, because there's much more dread associated with a plane crash as opposed to 
just dropping dead of a heart attack when heart disease kills infinitely more people so than plane many. crashes. It's like, you know, someone's just eating a double cheeseburger. We'll go, I've never gone on a plane. Like, you are putting a heart attack in your mouth as we speak. Oh, that's so true. So it, it's because that's not a, you don't, there's no dread associated with that. It's just like a light cuts off and yeah. you just don't have a, you know, or like terrorist attack or like, you know, a, a, anything where there's dread and you associate a lot of fear or, you know, or a, a terminal disease or something. So it. But then we should be afraid of going to bed every night because we could have a nightmare any time you could sure. have it you could nod off and have a nightmare on your couch which feels kind of like dying sometimes like i had this nightmare once drove right off a cliff in the middle of the night you know those mountains when you come down from big bear oh yeah and you over anyway i had it that it just sailed right off and as i was sailing off i was like oh man i knew it <laughs> <laughs> this road sucks like oh man gosh <laughs> Dang it. Should have seen this coming. Did you wake up right before you hit? I think so. But so like that's, is that as bad as actually dying? I don't know. But I don't know. I went into a centrifuge uh, a year or so ago. Like you do. Like you do. Uh, Have have you ever seen centrifuges that they put pilots in? Like those ones that have like the crane arm and there's like that little bullet at the end that they just... Yes. Yeah. It's like a spinning mace ball or like a right. big a big weighted Q-tip. I can't even do the teacup rides at Disneyland, oh. so I don't think I could get in a fucking centrifuge. Do you do you get barfy on the teacups? Uh, yeah. Or yeah. are you just too cool for them? <laughs> no. <laughs> I'm like, definitely not too cool for them. I just get barfy on like super motion-y rides. You would hate this. Yeah, I would. It's I and I have been robbed at knife point. I've gotten my hand stuck in an escalator. I've been hit by a car, but the most afraid. Jesus yeah, Christ. I've been through some shit. I'm like the I'm like the dog at the pound. She's got like half an ear. And, but you're like, <laughs> so wow, it's been through some shit. But um the most afraid I've ever been, I was I was uh Doing this, I was filming this pilot with Orlando Jones mm-hmm. and uh, science pilot, and we we had to go to this testing facility where they train uh, Air Force pilots, and so they're like they put him in the centrifuge to see how many G's he could handle, and you know we're right now we're at one G, mm-hmm. that's gravitation, you know one one weight of gravity, right? When you are in like. Like, you know, those videos where someone drives a Tesla and they floor it. Right. That's like 1.2 or something. Got like it. That. Um, anyway, so um, so this goes up to nine. Ugh. It's a lot. Very much a lot. And so the you have to train if you're a pilot to not pass out because the blood rushes from your head and pools in your feet. Sure it does. <laughs> you just don't have blood. You know the trick to that. Just drive with your feet. <laughs> just drive with just your feet. Where, where the blood goes. You know what? It's the same as plumbing and roofing. It's the you same as plumbing and roof. Yeah. Reverse I don't understand. What's the problem? Just, just, just drive with your feet. What's, what's the problem? The problem? But, um... So, so you have to like do these maneuvers where you're breathing and you t- you tighten your butt so that like your blood doesn't you don't pull in your. Can I ask a gross question? Yeah. Do they say like you might shit your pants? A hundred percent. Okay. Hence my fear. They were like, "Here's the deal: we're going to put you in a jumpsuit. If you're going to barf, best thing to do just barf down your own shirt." <laughs> Because you're in a capsule. You're in this tiny, it's like the size of a cockpit. So if that thing gets, it's just not a good thing. You don't want to get have a full puke. Hell no. Right. Um, and also they're like, it, it could come out any end. We sure. really, okay, so there's a GoPro in there. Bye. Oh no. And I was like, this is a nightmare. <laughs> Focus on this is a nightmare. I haven't been on like a full, I think Space Mountain. We went on Space Mountain for your birthday. That's right. I think that's the last time I went on a roller coaster. Oh. So I'm like, okay. Anyway, it was horrifying i did not barf but they told me they'd only go up to two g's and i got out and they're like we took you up to almost six <gasps> and i was like 
but you just lose vision uh, in half of your half of your eyesight goes, and it feels like you know when you go over a really big roller coaster, that one drop yep. feels like that, but sustained for like a full minute. Oh my gosh, it's nuts. And then the videos of you, you're you look like 15 years older because all of your skin is just <laughs> flapping like, back. Yeah, it's so gross. How many G's did Orlando do? He took nine. What? Yeah, he took nine. G monster. Oh my god. I know. That's impressive. But if you ever want to, if you ever really want to go down like a YouTube hole, there are videos where you can just type in G lock, which is G loss of consciousness, and you can just see these like very brave air women and men just losing it and just flopping around like a Muppet. Yeah, no, I don't think I would do well with that because, number one, uh, a little bit of claustrophobia. You'd hate this. I would not. <laughs> You'd hate this. If someone said, do you want to go into space, I think I would go, no, I'm good. Yeah, I think I'm good, too. Yeah, I just don't know. I think I would feel super trapped. Like, I need to not be here right now. and But, of course, you are there. And I know. You can't not be there. When you're there. So I just don't feel like I would do too well with that. Yeah, I, I, you know, I know people are like, oh, man, I need people from Mars. Sign me up. And I can't imagine any. Just go to Nevada. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> just get a tiny house Same in Nevada. Diff. I mean. We'll send the octopods into space where they're from. I know, which is from whence they came. Confirmed. Like, Finally. Have you ever thought about having a paranormal uh, expert on your podcast? You know, I want it. Like, there's cryptozoology, which of is. Of course, yeah. I was thinking I could have a Bigfoot expert on and just be like, excuse me, what is your deal? Yeah. Um, if there's a paranormal one, I would totally be down for that like a parapsychologist sure a parapsychologist yeah. could work mm-hmm. um yeah there's a ton there's a ton of like fringe ones that i i like to like throw in little like i just i do believe that our brains because it there's so much complexity with understanding and parsing the information in the world that our i you know our brains do fill in gaps and write stories in places where there's just a little bit of a you know, just like Superman holding the train track uh-huh. so the train can go by. It's like we're just ga- gapping things. And I think, you know, you're, you're, the brain is very powerful. I mean, it, it's the whole world is just based on your perception of it. I know. So how how would your brain not be able to fuck with that sometimes? I know. I know. And it's funny, too, as someone who has anxiety, because I, I have anxiety, too. I think a lot of people who who work a lot and who are passionate about what they do. I think a lot of people do have anxiety. Sure. But um, it is funny because it's like, when when do you trust your brain and when do you not? When are right. you like, you're freaking out for no reason? Yeah. Um, and I don't know. It's interesting. It's it, uh, I question my own brain plenty, I think. I think I do that. I've gotten better at it. Like, you know, I only have been drinking caffeine for the last handful of months. Oh, really? How's it going? Well, it's fine. I mean, I was never really able... I can't really drink coffee, but I can have like... You know, I have like an almond milk latte. Okay. Um, that's and that's about coffee. as much. You know, I can have like maybe two of those in a day, but spread out over a long period of time. And when I was driving here to do the podcast. I had had a couple sips of one, and I had that kind of thing where my ears like clog like sometimes if you, you get a caffeine rush mm-hmm. and uh, you know a handful of years ago i would have flipped out and be like i'm having a stroke i need to go to a hospital <laughs> i'm dying this is terrible but i just i had the presence of mind to, to go you know I, I know what this is and then it just all immediately went away and calmed down but anxiety is tough because it mimics Everything. Yeah, yeah, it sure does. It mimics heart attacks and just a sweat disorder. You're like, maybe I have a sweat disorder. It's like, (laughs) no, bitch, you're nervous. Um, It happens to me all the time. Um, I used to do. I used to. Sweat disorder is my hip hop album, by the way. I just want to make sure you guys know about that. 
Uh, I love your jam called Oh No, What Now? Yeah, What it's Now? one of my favorites. Oh, but this time it's real. <laughs> How do I get out of here? Really, really great track. I do this thing where when people used to ask me loaded questions that I, that I was on the spot, my I would get a sweat mustache, and it would just be like the... It would be my tell. It'd be like, you knew and I didn't want to answer something because I would just, just to fl- it would just sprout a spontaneous, just beads of sweat in only the mustache area. And I'd be like, I'm uncomfortable. But I mean, I don't know. I, the other thing that happens, I don't know if this, I don't know. I don't think I've ever asked anyone this, but, uh, and maybe we can get a consensus, but if you are about to tell someone something that you're nervous about saying, right. if it's like a really heated moment, I feel like I, this has happened in like relationships when we're in a moment where we're either going to break up or not. And it's, we have to like say what's, you know, where you're at. My ears will buzz They'll do this weird buzzing thing, and they'll just it'll it'll feel like I have like a bumblebee in each ear, and I'm like get out of there. But it and I don't know if it's like an anxiety, like a blood flow thing. Yeah, it sounds like a little bit of stress induced tinnitus. Where, I don't know. So like I, you know I my ears are a lot better now, but I went to a concert in September and I had my ears rang for weeks, and oh. I just thought that might have been when I was the most scared because I thought my hearing was just ruined forever. Oh, no. And the doctor said, well, don't drink caffeine, which, of course, I ignored. Sure. Uh, he said that makes it worse because of, you know, like the adrenaline, and the blood flow. And it, so the answer is, if you're stressed, you would have the same adrenaline rush that it probably is just creating that, you know, that um, kind of momentary incident-based tinnitus. Right. I wonder if it's ever happened to anyone else. I know. It's, I'm sure it has. It's been happening to me like since I was 12. I remember like telling, having to ask my mom questions about vaginas or something and being like, oh boy, this is a... <laughs> <laughs> and being like, how does, how do things work? What's this? Uh, yeah. What's this? Let's do that thing. Uh, give me a lowdown. I like just when it, those moments, but I don't know. I mean, I think... I think that the great the greatest thing about it is learning to just call it out. And as soon as you call out the stress or anxiety, like I'm anxious, I see what you're doing, like yeah. it tends to kind of go away. Which yeah, has yeah, been yeah. Helpful. Because at least you know, sort of recognizing that that's a thing that happens is also very sure. helpful. Just going, oh, this is a thing I do. That does that that help that helps a lot too. And so everyone else has it too. That's the other thing is that I love how you can just bumble through life and you're like, man. Everyone's really got it together except for just me. Right. No, <laughs> like, not the no. case at all. <laughs> no one has it together at all. And anyone I think who tells you they have it together is is either not very smart yeah. or bright or, or a douche <laughs> uh, or lying, you know. So it, it is, yeah, everyone kind of feels like that. Just a part of humanity, I think, is just a certain amount of disarray and chaos. I mean, you're, we're constantly just trying to organize the chaos, you know, just always trying to organize the chaos. I know. We're always just one Instagram quote away from figuring life out. Just one, <laughs> We're going to do it. One inspirational account away. Just same amount of hours in a day as Beyonce. Boom. My life is fixed. <laughs> Done. Done. That's all I needed. She doesn't have any more resources than I do. Yeah. No. She's probably fine. 100% right? fine. She doesn't she's stress about nervous. anything. I do wonder, though, I've wanted to ask you about your time management skills. Sure. Because, I mean, you're very well known for constantly working on one million things. Mm-hmm. Like, anytime anything's announced in Deadline, it's like, of course Chris Hardwick has <laughs> another project. Uh, well, I don't know. Like, how do you... Do you, what's your? Do you have a bullet journal? Do you have a? What's your scheduling situation? I don't have a bullet journal, but I did. You know, time management is something I studied when I first got sober because I'm like, well, if I'm going to try to do stuff, I really need to understand 
you know, because I also think it's important to, I think most people sort of feel like they're just dragged through life by like a fishing line and they don't really have choices. And I think you do have more choices than you realize. Um, Obviously there are things that happen that people can't control, but you know, you can choose how you react to things and you can, you can make a a percentage of healthier choices within a day. You can make a percentage of, Uh I'm not saying a hundred percent. Sure. You know, I don't want to hear like the, oh, it's really easy. No, 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 no. There is a percentage of things that you can do so you don't just necessarily feel dragged around by life. And one of those things I think is understanding, uh, you know, I realize you can't really manipulate how you use time until you understand how you use your time. So I started tracking like how long it would take me to do things in a day, whatever that thing was, and kind of understood like, well, this is sort of my my optimal peak time for like at a certain point I'm just not invested in something anymore Mm -hmm. so how do I do that Uh, and then once I did that I just started uh, calendarizing things and created a calendarizing first step make up the word make up the verb calendarize Calendarize, (laughs) take take that off your list that's right (laughs) Uh, step number two enjoy the spoils (laughs) and then uh, and so I I created a color coded system a calendar system so it was like you know blue is personal and green is work and um, you know purple is stand up and this is travel so that I could then I started to see like modular chunks of time on my calendar. I brought them into the physical world. Um, but the same thing works with ideas. When you bring ideas into the physical world, then you can you have a better perspective on them. You can manipulate them more rather than just trying to figure everything out in your head. Right. Uh, and so that's what I did. And nowadays, um, you know, my assistant Michelle works with me who is even way more or- organized with time than I am. I mean, she she was a professional organizer oh. when I first met her. And so I, but now it would be very difficult to do, to do all the things that I do without even more organized people in place. So I, I rely heavily on, on Michelle now, but before, yeah, I really did understand. I really tried to understand how to do stuff and, but it's also my personality to want to do this for a little while and this for a little while and this for a little while. Are you the same way? Do you need to do all of one thing in a day or do you like doing like five or six different things? Yeah, sometimes it helps to go look at something fresh. I mean, my my thing is that I I love my actual work. Like I love making ologies. I love ma- making science shows. I love writing all that stuff. That a lot of times I'll be I'll save that like it's a little donut at mm-hmm. the end of the day, and then I'll be like <laughs> I gotta get through the muck of the admin stuff, and then I'll get like so caught up on like emails and and paperwork and just other garbage, and then I'll save my creative stuff to the end of the day because it's fun. And then I'll be like, oh, and it's midnight. <laughs> and yeah, I'll and then also, asleep. wow, that's an interesting way to do it because I would think... Which isn't... I'm not advocating for this. energy-wise for creative energy. A lot of people say, like, do it first thing in the morning when I, you're fresh. I know, I know. I, ta- I, I talked to a writer recently who said that he uh, he gets up at, like, 5 in the morning and he starts writing from, like, 6, six to 7 or 6 to 8 because no one's up and he gets all of his work done and he goes to bed at, like, 9. But, um, but yeah, I think I have this, like, like, I still feel a little bit guilty about doing stuff it's creative and fun because for so so long of your life when you're working up to to it you know that's the kind of stuff you do after you're done with your other job right and then when you're if you're lucky enough where this becomes your primary job you're like oh shoot i gotta move things around a lot because you're used to just doing admin stuff right um i think it was when i was going through the self-help uh dump phase of just like (laughs) everything i could consume you know it was either 
Dale Carnegie or Napoleon Hill. Or there's some, someone said something like, you know, live in day tight compartments. Don't worry about yesterday. Don't worry about tomorrow. And oh. so that's another thing with time. I mean, that is also like a AA, like one day at a time kind right. of thing. But um, it's almost like there's truth to it, you know. But crazy. Isn't it crazy? But um, so when I'm doing stuff in a day, I really do just like this is what I can get through today. And if I don't, you know, there are other things I go, well, I'll, you know, I'll deal with that stuff tomorrow. I'll put out those fires tomorrow. This is what I can get done today. And that's very helpful too because if you – Try to take on your whole calendar at once emotionally. Mm-hmm. You'll you would fucking run into traffic. I know. <laughs> like you just wouldn't. So just don't worry about like j- move what you can to tomorrow. Deal with what you can deal with today, and just be okay with that. And mm-hmm. most of the time, nothing is going to blow up because you didn't. You know, most of the time. Most of the. <laughs> Most of the time. There's mm, no explosion. There's the anxiety. Like, uh, but what if this one time? There's this thing called time chunking that someone told me about. And that's been my most effective way where you, instead of just having a to-do list, you block off, okay, like from 8.30 to 9.30, I'm dealing with this. From 9.30 to 10, I'm having breakfast. From 10 to da 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 And you just map out your whole day. Mm-hmm. And so... Uh, so you only can do the thing that you said you would do in that amount of time. So you're not worrying about what you're going to do at 2 p.m. Because it's 9 a.m. Right. and you're right. doing the thing. So that when, I, when I'm like really on my jam, I'm unstoppable when I do that. Is that in your calendar? <laughs> do you have that in your calendar? I have it in my calendar, yeah. I, I don't do it enough. But sometimes I'll start the day and I'll be like, I don't have time to time block. Here, I wonder, I wonder, I'm kind of curious dumb. to see your calendar. Oh, it's a disaster. <laughs> All of my travel is marked in green. And some months, I'll just open it up and I'll be like, it's a sea of green. Just a beautiful, I'm beautiful just green. on planes so much. Yeah, but yeah, so, I'm always so curious about how other people... Okay, so you have... You're very color-coordinated. This is a personal call. This, this, uh, uh, this is my therapist call. It really nice. says blue. The, the per, this is travel, and this is a press event here, and this is more travel. And then here you can see... You're time-blocked. Look at this. Work call. This is a fitness trainer. This is a meeting with an architect. This is a press thing. This is a work thing. This is a press thing. So it, it really... Um, Secret of the universe. Well, it's just time if everything's blocking. one color, I just feel like everything would feel overwhelming. But seeing the different colors helps just create some space in right. my brain. You leapfrog to another thing, yeah. which is good. I do think I wish that these were things that we learned when we were in school. Like taxes would be no one taught me about taxes in school. Oh my god, anything practical. Practical would be great. Yeah. You know what I need um yeah, I need information on that transition from okay, great, you you're in a creative job. Congratulations. You made a career out of it. Double finger guns. Good for you. <laughs> and then but then there's this thing no one tells you where it's like, now you're a CEO, and you have to file payroll taxes for yourself. And right. you're like, what? Huh? I got out of that I got out of that racket so I could do creative stuff. And yeah. they're like, oh, yeah, no, you have to deal with the franchise tax board. And you're like, Ugh. Well, that's the challenge. Of, that's the challenge <laughs> of more responsibility and scaling up and, and, you know, and trying to figure out, like, what's important to and then and not and trying not to forget what's important so that you can stay excited and and passionate about things. I know. I I do love it's so funny. I was I was talking to someone recently about like what you know, they were trying to figure out if they're going to do a pivot in their career and we were talking about what gives you the butterflies the most. Like when you think about that job or that field or learning something like what makes you like physically nauseous? <laughs> 
like to the point of like happiness. Right. And it's funny. There are some projects that I like the stuff that I'm doing now, like getting to getting to work in science and comedy at the same time, like getting to merge those has been like that's something that's made me happily nauseous in for so long. Like yeah. I wanted to do that for so long that it's funny how you can kind of uh I don't know. It's it's funny. Your show, The Wall, reminds me of this. How you can kind of like start one area and then bing, bing, ding, 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 and end up somewhere a little bit different. You didn't realize. Totally unpredictable. I mean, I mean, the odds are if you <laughs> drop it over the high amounts, it might fall in there. But there's that chance it's gonna just whip across the board. I know. You don't know. I know. I know. But um, I do need to get better at taking vacations. Yeah, and it, it's important to just schedule those. Yeah. Are you going anywhere? Yeah. 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 Where are you going? Uh, well, I have to, I have to work in Florida next week for a day. I'm doing a gig for just like a day. And so Lydia's coming with me. We're going to go to Disney World just for a day. Like the next day we're going to go. And then, uh, yeah. And then over the summer we have a couple places that we're going to go. And then Christmas, you know, so we have like two or three vacations planned already this year. And it's, what's great about it is that because we know these are the times, we just block them off. Yeah. And it's like, nope, this is it. This is going to happen because anytime – you can always find an excuse to not go somewhere. You can always find like a, oh, but what if – and anything that you've – pretty much anything that you've ever canceled like a vacation for – ends up being a bust. Yeah. <laughs> or it's like an audition or like uh, a meeting or like, well, they really need to, okay, I'll go the, oh, it didn't work. God damn it. You know? Well, they say, I read some study where people who take vacations are happier, but it's not necessarily that they're happier on the vacation or after the vacation, but it's the anticipatory happiness leading up to it. Oh, that's interesting. That like relieves you because you know like you're going to get a break in a bit. So you're just like, okay, I can handle it. Right. But if it's just like this Sisyphus thing where it's like your toil is never ending. <laughs> <laughs> so, but having this like light at the end of the tunnel. So it's funny that like scheduling a vacation is will help you before the vacation. Right. Just that isn't that and that kind of cool. Just knowing that you you know because we when I did at midnight we used to have these stretches where it's particularly in the fall where we'd have like sixteen straight weeks or something crazy, and that usually meant that I would have with everything else that was going on maybe two days off a month or one day off a month. And the only way that I was really able to do it was, again, just focusing on each day to don't worry about all that. And as it would get closer, I'd go, okay, if I can just put off <laughs> – you know, of course, then when you actually do get the break, then three days of it, four days of it are the horrible cold that you get oh, from yeah, the of momentum course. of your body slamming to a, a screeching halt. Of course. But, uh, but you know, I – because I worry about our mutual friend Matt Myra who is oh, yeah. running himself ragged. And I'm like, Matt – and with, you know, Kevin Smith just having a heart attack, I, I texted Matt and I was like, I know. I'm going to ask you to stop smoking and uh, please take care of yourself and please make good choice, you know, because it, it's just a reminder that, you know. I know. I that, texted him today too. I was like, um, checking in on uh, your sleeping hours. And he yeah. was like, 2 a.m. to 7 a.m. I was like, let me just put all caps on here real quick. <laughs> the fuck? That's not enough. <laughs> I know. He's. I know. I do worry about him. And it's funny because, you know, I remember he went through a period a year, couple years ago where he was like, oh, man, I'm not working enough. Not oh, working I remember. Enough. Yeah, he was not working enough. And now... I told him to enjoy that because I said, someday you're going to be too busy to en- and you're going to wish you had time. I know. And it, it does them no good when you're like, I know, but aren't you glad that you're not unemployed? Like, that doesn't relax him at all, but... Um, well, the point is, and I say this because I'm exactly the same way, n- 
no state of being relaxes Matt Myra. Yeah. And, and I, I'm similar in the same way because you all, it's always like, oh, if you're not working, it's stressful. If you're working, it's stressful. If I you, know. you know, if you have this, it's stressful. If you don't have that, it's stressful. You know, and it, it, basically it's all, again, it's just recognizing the function of like, oh, I think I'm just this way, period. Doesn't matter what the situation is. This is just how my brain filters right. through the world. Just do it one day at a time. And it's always, it's, you know, I've known Jonah since he was very underemployed as well. Right. I, I've known Jonah since, like, he used to work at Amoeba, and he used to be like... That long? Oh, I've known him since his Amoeba days. I used to bring him chocolate milk. I'd be Amoeba like, Jonah. Yep. Amoeba Jonah, I remember, he took, a, he took a break once and drank a double vodka and Red Bull on his break and went back to work, and I was like, Jonah Ray, <laughs> this is not a good idea. Um, but yeah, and, and so it's whenever I see friends who I know have like gone through a little bit of like underworking, I, I always have such a dual. I'm like, I'm so happy for you. I'm also very worried for you. Sure. Relax. But yeah, it's kind of like, you know, in this business, if you're working, it, chances are you're really in love with what you're doing. Right. You know what I mean? Like people drop everything to move to L.A. and, and to hope that they can, you know, have a shot. So, yeah, it's, it's really hard to, to pull back. But it's also important to remember, like, at what cost yes. you can try to do all these things, but at what cost? I mean, I, I you know... People always say to me, like, do you ever say no to anything? I'm like, yeah, I say no to lots of stuff. You just don't hear about it. You only see the stuff yeah. I say yes to. But I turn down, and I've, I've gotten the habit of turning down way more stuff than I take because I just go, you know what? I don't want to be gone every weekend. I want to hang out with my wife. I don't want to be stressed. I don't need to do that. I don't care if I'm being if there's money. It's not the money. At a certain point, it's like that's not worth it anymore. To it, like the cost, the emotional cost of that is not. And it's a very luxury luxury position to be in. But I. Um, but it is important to remember that you know you don't always have to grind yourself into a fine powder. You right. Know, you can. <laughs> it's also. You're no good to any anything that way. You're really not. And you're very grumpy. And then also, if you've ever had to go to the doctor for even a thing, whatever the copay is or whatever the deductible is, it's almost not worth it. Like, right. Stress can cause so many very expensive health problems. Yes. You might as well just use that money on a vacation, for God's sake. <laughs> That's your go medicine. Take some time for yourself. Yes. Go to an island. It's less expensive than getting an x-ray but i also enjoy you know one of the things that i think is so wonderful about you is that because you're a comedy person and because you're so smart and because you figured out how to be a science communicator which is so very necessary you know because there are so many wonderful science people in the world and but not everyone has that gift of being a communicator as well and sometimes you know, people can be like, well, it's very simple. You just this, 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 and this is the formula, and this is why. And, you know, there's kind of an engineering mentality of like, I, well, I don't understand why you don't understand. You know, but people who can really put things into vernacular and express it. And, you know, you have a very, very important job, which is inspiring people to be interested in science who wouldn't make, who maybe are like, do like science. Or who wouldn't have been otherwise. And that is very, very valuable right now. Well, thank you. I, I, it's funny. I get reviews on iTunes and every once in a while there's one that's like, oh, man, I didn't think I'd care about uh, any of these topics. But I do. And yeah. I was like, great. That's like the best thing I hear. Yeah. Because it, I think it's just uh, we gossip about so much in life. Like we all 
like know everything, the minutia of like Kylie's like pregnancy announcement. Like we know all of these things, but um, but there's so much other Kylieology. Stuff. Uh, yes, Kylieology, Card- Kardashian. <laughs> we did talk about that a little bit in mythology about the demi about celebrities being demigods and why we need to why it's therapeutic for us to put someone up and then tear them down because it's tearing down parts of ourselves. So it's it's actually interesting. Oh, wow. Yeah, the way that we the way that we uh, look at celebrities is a lot like how we used Greek and, and Roman gods. So we talked about that in mythology, which is fascinating. But we need that. We need to. We need to um, punish someone for our own sins. God, crazy. you just melted my brain. Yeah, it's some crazy shit. That I, it's every episode. There's like something like that. But um, but yeah, I think that we learn. We learn all these details that maybe wouldn't help us. But I just think that if you can end up gossiping about an octopus brain, or if you can, um, you know, gossip about primate um, social structures or placenta or volcanoes, like. There's a lot of stuff in there to be mined that is can be really volcanoes, interesting. Earth periods, for example. Hey, if you're a mountain, much. if you're a mountain and you're wearing white jeans, earthquakes, <laughs> tiny tremors, just cramps. They're just cramps. What are you gonna do? What are you gonna do? Um, the snow caps are the white pants. They're pretty much what they are. Just we Vesuvius. Solved we solved it. Vesuvius should be the name of a tampon. <laughs> time of the month. <laughs> and it's just, the commercial is just a bunch of people like frozen in ash, you know. <laughs> Brought to you by Mount St. Don't Helens. be unprepared. <laughs> we do talk, I talked that, that volcanologist is running for Congress, so we talked all about politics and stuff like that. But yeah, I just think that there's so much to get enthusiastic about and just to... I love being an ambassador between super hardcore science people and just the laymen because you realize, like, I love opening a door to be like, no, it's okay. We all belong here. Like, my whole thing about science is, like, there's science in this tabletop. There's science in ice cream. There's science in your glasses. There's science in my voice. There's science in, in everything, in the fibers that make up the, ta- you know, the chairs upholstery, everything in these microphones. There's science everywhere. Every single person, just by being a living, living breathing person, deals with science every single day just by eating um and so everyone is into science they just don't know because it's it's made to be kind of an exclusive club where mm-hmm. if you get it then you get it but if you're an organism on the planet you're into science and you get it and you're you belong so i think um yeah kind of democratizing that and making and putting ologists venerating them in a way that maybe we would a celebrity and and finding out their backstory and their personal passion that led them to be inquisitive that that to me is is really fun to put a spotlight on them instead of maybe having a spotlight on the the same actors we always hear from and you know the same uh, awards nominees we always hear about you know a lot of us know so much about the personal lives of a few select celebrities but let, like, let's hear about this person who studies frogs and, like, this the most scared they've ever been and, like, how they, you know, their husband, you know, is also a frog collector. Like, all that stuff is interesting. Right. Um, and just this idea of, like, being invested in curiosity. Well, I wonder, it, because, you know, I mean, I've I've made jokes. I've made hacky jokes about the Kardashians on social media before. And, and people are like, what's your fucking problem? And I guess part of my problem is... That I mean, whatever they can do, I don't care. They could do whatever they want. It's fine. You know, I'm not saying there shouldn't be a place for them. Of course, you know, like they're people. They, you know, they deserve to do whatever they want. They're listening to this right now, being like, "Whew, okay, good." Boy, boy, (laughs) I'm so glad. Hardwick's like got our back. I, I think. I think the thing that it just 
that, that kind of pokes at me is that, you know, what example does that set for? I mean, on the one hand, you might go, well, it sets the example that they, you know, that they made a, an, an empire out of, I mean, whatever it is that they do. But I also feel like what it teaches people is it's kind of vapid fame and attention at any cost, whatever you have to do to get famous, whatever you have to do to get attention. And I just think that sets a bad example. You know, if you're 17 years old and you're getting plastic surgery, like you, you, your body has not fully formed yet. And I think it just, it just, I don't know. I mean, maybe, maybe I'm not seeing it the right way and maybe it's about, oh, then let's be about being empowered. And But I also just kind of feel like it's basically says like attention at any cost. Don't accept who you are. You know, you have to fit this mold in order to be popular. It it really just feels like the popularity contest, and that's the message it's sending to kids. And so that's why I think it's so important when people like yourself try to get people excited about frogs or volcanology or whatever it is, because you know, some people want the Kardashian stuff, but some people maybe might discover that they need that stuff <laughs> that you're talking about. Yeah, I think it's just, I think humans, I think we're so, I think we are so curious and we have such, we're like little hamsters. Like hamsters want to be on a wheel, right? Hamsters like, set me over the wheel, dude. I'm all about it. And they hop on that thing. They're like, don't make me get off. And I think our brains are like that where we want stuff. We want to think about stuff. We want to process stuff. We want to remember stuff. We want to learn from stuff. Distracted from stuff. Right. And I think that we want that. And what happens is I think that we end up just consuming whatever's put in front of us the most. You know what I mean? It's like you're really hungry. And you walk in and you eat up all the gross appetizers and then someone's like, oh, by the way, we had salmon. You're like, God damn it. So I think that it's just what we're fed the most is what we process. And so I think that it's kind of a shame that um, that the first line of, of defense, kind of like the front lines of the of media is a lot of kind of fluffy stuff that doesn't have a lot of consequences. But don't you think that we're, we're the, we're, we're, we'll eat whatever we're fed, but don't you feel like <laughs> they'll feed us whatever we're eating more of? Yes. I mean, it, yeah, it, it yeah. does, you know, because... Sure, I, I mean, that's that's Darwinism of in course. a way. You know, like, that's like the... Uh, that survives. Yes. And, and that demand, you know, multiplies. And I don't know, I think that... I think ultimately what a lot of people want is they want to understand more about themselves. And I think that we look to celebrities to learn more about ourselves. We, we Maybe we look to the Kardashians to learn how to be more self-possessed or more beautiful or more... Um, uh, having a tighter grip on our own sexuality. Maybe we, we look to them for that. And I think that, unfortunately, like that's such a narrow source where there are so many other ways we could get that information, but we're just trying to get it all through very, very like pop culture stuff. Well, and, and now we've all been conditioned to think like, oh, the more famous you are, the more right. followers that you have, the more money, the more, 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 more. Somehow the better you are. Like, oh, that's going to fix. And like, Of course. It's not going to... Fix all of your problems. We're living in an era where your worth has never been more publicly quantified. Right. I mean, we, we have, in the last five, six years, you've never been able to say, like, how much do I matter? And it's like, let me pull up an integer. <laughs> <laughs> and it's on the internet for everyone to see. Like, I've been in meetings. I've been in meetings where they're like, okay, and uh, your, your Instagram following is what? Okay, and what's your Twitter following? And do you have a Tumblr following? And they're writing down numbers of, like, how many people give a shit about you? And it's right. really hard not to internalize that. And I grew up being like a, a goth virgin who played Magic the Gathering, who was like had a microscope and was like dissecting owl pellets on the weekends. Like <laughs> I grew up where 
no one was looking at me and I, I didn't have to, I didn't have to justify my existence at all, really. You know, right. um, I grew up in like a, I went to a, an affluent school, but my family wasn't, we just lived within the district to go in to what, that what, what area? In the Bay Area. Nice. And, uh, and they had a really good Latin program, a good science and art program. So did you take Latin? Of course I did. Four years. Four years. Mm-hmm. And then someone's like, cool, translate this dollar bill. And you're like, it means I don't fucking remember. <laughs> 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 but it helps with vocab a lot. Helps with vocab. Yeah. I still remember some of it. Yeah, I remember I some of it. You remember the declensions and the conjugations sure. and the... I remember they're like, here's a list of verbs. And you're like, all, I'm sorry, all of these mean to kill. And they're like, oh, yes, they're Romans. <laughs> and like, it was like, to kill by beheading, to kill by bludgeoning. We know what was really crazy <laughs> is that I went to an all-boys Catholic school. Oi. And so... So every year I had a different Latin teacher and it depended on because there's church Latin and there's Roman Latin. Oh. And Roman Latin has um, slightly different interpretations, different pronunciations and church Latin has, you know, just the pronunciations are different. So huh. one year, it, you know, I'd have a priest who was a teacher be like, no, it's all this. And another teacher year, I'd have a secular teacher who was like, no, it's actually this. And all the A-E sounds are I and they're not A and, the, you know, so it... It was kind of a, a weird mind fuck because yeah. I learned like two slightly different strains of Latin based on who the teacher was. But you can't really speak either of them. No, it's a dead language. Because it's a dead language. And also they put, they'll put they put a word on the end of this. Everything's mishmash out of order, kind of. Mm-hmm. It's like the preposition can go at just the end. I mean, we watched a lot of Clash of the Titans. Of course. Um, in class yep. when Mrs. BCO was like, I got to peace out. Um, <laughs> but I, I remember once I had a conflict and I couldn't take Latin at and she let me come in on her off hour and just sit there in a classroom with just her doing my homework so that I could take both that and like a science or a drama class or something. She was like very hardcore. Um, But yeah, I think that Latin teachers are a little endangered species. So so, uh, So you did that and you did Latin and you also did theater and you did all these types of things in school. And so you... Your point was interesting, which was like, yeah, I wasn't really, a, I don't, you know, I didn't have to fit anything. Yeah, I, I never, I, I guess I, we never turned a lens on ourselves. You know what I mean? And I think that's hard when you literally have a device in your pocket that is made to take pictures of your own face. It's hard to get out of. It's hard to get out of your own butt. You know, right. I feel like we're so we're we examine ourselves in ways that maybe are are much more surface than internal. I think if you were to ask anyone, like, do you have a zit right now? They'd be able to point exactly to where it is, right? And what stage is that? And if you can see it in this light, and da 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 da. But if you were to ask anyone, like, uh, you know, how do you feel about your grandparents, or like, what do you think you want to do in two years? I think a lot of people are like, I don't have time to think about that, right? But we do have time. We just don't. It's not what we've. We're are, we're not. We're like extrospective, I guess. Well, that's introspective. Yeah, that's a great point because <laughs> because social media is ultimately. I mean, initially, social media was called microblogging. Oh my god, I forgot. And so, two thousand six. Right. So the idea of like rather than writing long, and obviously you can write long posts on Facebook, but. But the idea that we're communicating in these short bursts, the, communi- the form of communication is innately shallow because it's very quick. Mm-hmm. And so it's not really designed to go all that deep and you're rifling through and you're not, you know, it's rare that you just settle on something and really sit with it for a while. You're just, and so the, communi- the, the form of communication is in a very Galapagan way conditioning us to communicate that way because that's how we're consuming it. Yeah. So it, it, and if you're consuming in a shallow way, you're probably going to be um, dealing in an economy of shallow things because that's just 
the nature of the you know the depth of the the puddle. Yeah, it's pretty. Everything feels pretty bite sized, and I think that's. Um, I think that is maybe doing us a bit of a disservice. I think like, again, like our, I think our hamster brains, they, we just, we want stuff. We want to think, we want to process, we want to have epiphanies and stuff. And I think that, um, and yeah, in a lot of microblogging, it's like, okay, if I have this thought, then if I can develop this thought in this tiny fragment, you know, in this two sentence fragment, how many people will like this? Right. And then that, that means it's a good thought. Right. And, um, and so I think even our thoughts, we've, we're conditioned to be like, will people, will other people like this instead of just thinking them and letting them go where they go. And I don't know. I mean, I think that being divorced from who you maybe really are for the sake of who you feel like you should be is like one of the tragedies of a lot of just interpersonal relationships in each of us. Like, this idea of being being who I'm supposed to be right is really tough because then you're never you're never going to be happy. Yeah, because you who is that and what is I don't that know. and how is that I don't know is that you know better or is that you know worse or I don't know it just creates kind of a, a bit of a chasm. There goes the life. There she goes. Pretty She's a lady, lady on the goal. <laughs> but yeah, I think she was on the phone. She had bags. I she, know that was a lady on the goal. She really was. She was. She just blazed through here. It was very. <laughs> I felt like we were uh, extras in her movie, <laughs> which was fine. <laughs> the camera following her just saw us in the background. We're the puffins talking about. <laughs> We're porgs. We're porgs. But we are. But no, I think I think that that's like the cool. I think one of the coolest things that I've I've been learning the last just couple years because there was there were times when I was you know working on Cooking Channel and I was wearing these vintage dresses and making up cocktail drinks and and um and it didn't it that success was fine but it didn't feel it didn't stick at all it didn't feel that great because it didn't feel like me I've, i always had this like weird fascination with science and stuff and i was like well i can't instagram about that because it's off brand and then when i started volunteering at the museum uh that's when i started kind of like just hey this is kind of what i'm into and i think i it was weird to like merge that like public persona with who I felt like I really was, which was like, you know, this chick that was like gets excited about finding an owl pellet and right. you know what I mean? Like has bugs in her freezer. And it was really liberating to be like, oh, this is not only is this okay to be this person that I thought LA would reject, but it's actually celebrated and it feels better than any of the success I've had previously. So, and I think that, you know, your work, your work always inspired me in that way too, where, you know, you were like, you got sober, you're like, fuck it, I'm going to make stuff that I want to make. Mm-hmm. And then that opened up this whole door because you were being authentic. And that's always, I think, been really inspiring. So I think. Oh, I appreciate that. Yeah. It's I mean, for reals. I mean, when you work on stuff that you care about, you really kind of do feel all the molecules align and go, oh, yeah. this is, I can't believe I thought, and how many rules do you create in your brain? You know, like we write scripts, we write scripts in our head, like little code, like lines of code to automate things so that we can get through the day faster. Yeah. But how often do we go back and look at those codes and go, well, are these still relevant codes to where I'm at now? Or does this still make sense? Do I still feel this way about this thing? So many, I think a lot of things are just automated and I think people can get stuck in ruts because they don't go back and look at their codes again and go, mm-hmm. "Do I, does this even still matter to me? Yeah. Oh, well, I kept telling myself I had to do this or didn't do this, but I don't know if I, I guess I'm at a different place in my life now. I can get rid of that and write a new code or, you know, so it, it, it really is about, I think, take, like every so often just sort of taking stock to make sure you're yeah. still doing what seems right. 
Yeah, I had a Google Doc back when I was I was an LA Times reporter for a couple of years, and I had a Google Doc that was just uh, I would sneak into when I was avoiding deadlines, and it was just called <laughs> Things I'd Like to Do, and it was things that I just would look forward to. And one of the things that I want to work in TV, doing a science show, maybe travel or kids, like maybe a kid science show, something to do with algae. I don't know why I put algae in there. What the <laughs> fuck, whatever. Anyway, and I got this, I got offered this job to be on the CBS show, Innovation Nation. And the first assignment I had, I got to travel to Boston to interview a 17-year-old uh, like molecular biologist who was genius about a project she was working on with algae as a biofuel. Holy shit. And I was like, oh, how about that? <laughs> so well, that- there's something really crazy about <laughs> Um, again, when I was saying like putting stuff in the physical world, there's something really crazy about writing down. You gotta write shit down. Goals because I almost um, uh, I read this book. I think it was called The Ant and the Elephant, and the idea was that you know there's this ant on top of an elephant's head, and if the ant decides something, the elephant kind of goes in that direction. <laughs> and so it's it's not so much about like the secret or the universe, yeah, right. mystical, but you be- when you kind of open your self to when you when your brain kind of has a marching order you open yourself to the possibility of something or start make a decision and start down a path right even on a subconscious level you start seeing answers that you would not have seen before yeah that and choices that you maybe even subconsciously make that start leading you in that direction and you're like isn't that crazy i wrote because i have lists like that too and i've everything i wrote down happened and and that's again, it's not magic. Yeah, it's no. not, and it takes time and it takes consistent effort and you know, consistent action. But it it really does help unjumble all the shit that's in your head. Because yeah. your head has to deal with things like, Am I having a heart attack? At yeah. The end? Am I why is my lip sweating? Yeah. Why, you know, why are my ears ringing? You know, like you gotta make room for that stuff. You gotta make room for that. But yeah, I, I totally agree with you. It's like as soon as you write something down, you admit it to yourself that you wanna do it. And you and put it in the physical world. You put it in the physical world and yeah, I think that that is like that's some of the best advice is just getting super honest with yourself and just being like, okay, I'm going to, you know what? I forget. I wrote something down on New Year's and I forgot what I wrote. Now I have to go back and look my, what I wanted to do this year. I have to see if I've crossed any of those off yet. Oh, I interesting. Dun, dun, dun. You don't, so you don't know. Nothing. I has... can't remember. I can't remember. Probably one of them is like a, a goal for ologies or something. And probably I do. There's this massage chair I want to buy. I can't. <laughs> Describe okay. Is I it did, the Spine Melter three thousand? Wasn't that the Simpsons did, episode where Herb, <laughs> get, Herb, his brother Herb, comes back and he buys him the Spine Melter three thousand? I wish it were. I, I have a feeling like Spine Melter three thousand isn't even as good as this one I want. Okay, there's this one I tried for a segment I filmed, and I was like, "This is bliss on earth." It puts you in it like a pod, and then you're just it like it's this Japanese. It looks like this big white Japanese egg, and you just scoot your dumb little body in there. And then What's and it, it was I, it was called an infinity massage chair. I did a story for them. They're not getting paid for this. Okay. And they should just give me a free massage of chair. Of course. But I'm like I in the place I live now. I don't have any space for it. But I swear I was like, oh man, as soon as I move. That is like just this notion of just being like, I can get in this weird little cuddle pod whenever I want. <laughs> your your situation with your secret room, by the way, I'm hanging on pin. I'm just on pins oh, and needles. Oh, the house shit thing? Pins you know, and needles. That's so funny. I, I started doing that just like, you know, I've renovated a couple houses and Lydia and I renovated this one together. And... Uh, and I ne- and I always regretted not documenting it because I love the transition process and we watch a lot of HGTV so I was like you know right. I've never really effectively used Instagram stories this seems like 
And it's crazy. Now it's one of the only things, like, one of the things people talk to me about the most is, like, what's... Dude, you can't be like, hey, there's a wall here in a secret room and not expect people to be fascinated. So the, the unfortunate thing with the reason that story is on hold right now is because, you know, Instagram only allows you to post videos from the last 24 hours. They just changed it. You can save your stories. I know. It's crazy. What's life? Well, you can save your stories, but I'm saying anything that you post that's on your phone, mm-hmm. like if you don't post natively to the app. Right, right, right. It's only anything that you've taken, unless they've changed that, but it's only anything you've taken in the last 24 hours. So there's an expiration date. Like after a day, I can't from my camera roll then upload it to Instagram, <laughs> up to stories anymore. And so I, we poked the hole in and then they had to start sanding down the floors because they're going to get be polished concrete. So I just had to put it on hold, but I will get in there. Uh, it's a lot of debris, but I am going to fucking make that a room. What's it going to be? I think a podcast room. Oh. I think it's great because it'll it'll it 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 feels like it's right about the right size mm-hmm. and I can you know, I can soundproof it and I think it'll be like a great little, you know, and I'll put the TARDIS door out there uh, to like walk into it. I have I've had recurring dreams where I live in a house and I find a secret room. Have you ever had those dreams? Oh yeah. Yeah? The and I I asked the mythologist what it meant. He was like there's part of your consciousness you should explore. Whatever. I just you're also like, oh, there's more space to put some shit in. I have a I have a <laughs> recurring dream where I'm either being chased or I'm or I just need to be alone. And the house is always different, but I crawl up to you know like I go up as high as I can go in the house two or three story house and then I sneak like into the walls and climb up and I find like a secret space (gasps) and I feel safe in that secret space and obviously I'm sure there's a ton of unpacking a psychologist could do with that where I can just kind of peer out and uh-huh. see if people are chasing me, or but I'm safe. Like I'm, it's like a panic room. It's like an emotional panic room <laughs> that's in, and it's and it and it's been consistent throughout my entire life. It's like a little dog kennel, like a little like dog kind of. house. But but it always involves like having to scurry to get up. Like it's not easy to get to. Like a nest. Yeah yeah Whoa. yeah yeah yeah. And there's usually a hidden part, and then I have to go behind a thing, and then I'm back there, and then I'm safe, and then I'm in the thing. I feel like you found that in this house. <laughs> there might be, like, maybe. We'll that's see. a pretty big deal. We'll I, see. Every morning, I open up and I was like, "Let's see what's hardware's got here." And like, how shit up happening? I'm like, "Oh man, there's nothing on the hardware." It's been a fun renovation because we don't. We lived through this. We lived here when this one was happening, Ooh. which is, uh, you know, it's a little, it's a, a little stressful when sure. at eight a.m. every morning there's just strangers stomping through your house and hammering, and you're like, you're moving around. It's like, okay, this half of the house, you know, like. Now there's too much dust over there, so we got you know we're gonna sleep in the basement now on a air mattress because there's only one working toilet in the house and it's right there. It's a hell no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's yeah. not fun. No, that part wasn't fun, but it's but it's great that it actually did happen. But this one, you can it can be as dusty as you want. You're yes. like, peace out. I'll see you tomorrow. And also, when you're living through it, you see every mistake that gets made. Like, Why did you tie all the ceiling? Hey, what's the difference? The ceiling, the floor, ceiling, the, the floor, yeah, the same the thing, the same thing. Yeah, come on. Well, I hope they leave you some bugs. Well, I hope they do too. I'm gonna try. There's so many great juicy lizards at that property. <gasps> Yay! Yeah, I um, see them all the time. If you ever need to catch one, you can do you can do a slip knot on a blade of grass, sneak up behind them, and then you just go. Rip. And it just zips up, like just a slipknot on a And then long... you ride them? And then you ride them, yeah. They, uh, you turn yourself into a tiny, tiny person. And you play the band Slipknot. <laughs> yes, Lizards. 100%. All of this, wallet chains, soul patches. But no, yeah, you can make a little... And then you can kind of get them, and then you can look at them and pet them and say oh, bye-bye. Well, let's talk a little... As we're sort of like 
wrapping this up, I honestly could talk to you for hours, but let, let's, <laughs> but wrapping this up just for now, and then you'll come back at some point. Sure, of course. But, um, how, you know, what, what is important for people to inspire the next generation of scientists, and what does it mean to be a powerful voice in science, and what, what do you feel the responsibilities are? Uh, you know, that's a good question, and I think that what I'm, I think what I'm seeing more than anything is people again, not being afraid to fail. Like, I I interviewed this toothologist about squids, and she loved squids from the time she was a little kid. She wrote to a lab, and she was like, I want to work for you. And they're like, no, you're too young. She's like, I want to intern, like, too young. She kept going back until she was like, if you don't hire me, I'm just going to keep applying next year. And they're like, (laughs) okay, come on. But I think that going after what you're really passionate about, and I think that that's good for anyone in science or arts, is whatever you are the most stoked about is what you're going to be the best at. Mm -hmm. And I think that people who like science but are pressured to go into medicine because their parents will approve of that or because it makes more money but really they they like ostriches you right. know what i mean like do the you know do the thing that you want to do cuz that's going to take you farther than half-assing it right. in any other direction you're just going to waste time if you go down the wrong road and i think i think with science too is inclusivity is the biggest thing i mean i you know, there's this great site called, I think it's 500 Women Scientists, where if you are a journalist and you're looking for someone who um, to, you know, interview and you want to find a woman, great, here's 500 female scientists, oh, wow. you know, so um, so that women are, are equally represented. I think that I know so many amazing female scientists that are just so hardworking, such brainiacs, really passionate. And I think that the more we see them, the more the little little baby scientists will be like oh shit i do belong there right. you know um and i think my my role as a science communicator is is i'm just trying to get people not afraid of science and gossiping about science in a way that is exciting like when they were kids like you know at the museum i'll ask you know i'll be at the I'll be at this tank with a pickled whale in it or whatever. There's like a pickled shark in a tank. And I'm like, hey, can anyone maybe tell me what you think its teeth are for? You know, and the, the boys and girls equally are inquisitive and have ideas, you know. And it's not, it's, I think we, it's not until women get this really deep fear of being wrong or being, being misrepresenting their gender by being wrong about something that women start to quiet down. And I think that, um, that that's huge is just, is women having a voice and people having a voice whether it's in science or something else, is just don't be afraid to speak up. Don't be afraid to be wrong. It's part of the process. Don't be afraid to be enthusiastic or spazzy about what you're into and that curiosity is more important than knowledge. And, like, that that kind of passion, I think, is what's going to get us the farthest, you know? So I don't know. I mean, I'm hoping. Although I swear on my podcast, so I worry about 12-year-olds listening to it, but whatever. You know what? Honestly, <laughs> I mean, fuck it, fuck it. I know, fuck be, it. Be like people have the internet. You know, it, 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 I, was, I was talking with April about how, you know, uh, there's a whole generation of people that they just grew up with free porn. Right. And it's That's like very that true. totally, <laughs> you know, I mean, it, it's, they're 12 year olds. I know if I had had the internet when I was 12, oh, I would, I would have, have been, been to all, all of the dirtiest, Tons. filthiest, Worst, most horrible. Just buttholes.net. What's <laughs> happening? What's what ours? What is it? But- Taints.gov. <laughs> Grendel.tv. <laughs> but I think that there's a thing. I think what I'm trying to do is like, is to to make it so that science isn't just for kids and isn't just for like like pedantic eggheads like that there is a whole realm of like grown adults who can 
can be curious and can go learn stuff. And like right. learning doesn't stop because you are no longer required by the state to take a test about it. You know right. what I mean? Like you can still be curious. Like your hamster brain can still be, you know, running around and, and processing things. So I try to do, I try to make ologies as kind of like a podcast that is just like irreverent enough to be like, you're not ingesting kids material, you right. know? So we talk about all kinds of gross stuff on it, which is great. Just what I love. I mean, is it is it almost a thing where you kind of have to trick people's lizard brains into being like, if you do this, you will get attention. You yeah. Know? Like, <laughs> it's like, like, like using that as leverage as opposed to, you know, working on whatever your uh, whatever sort of physical attribute or whatever kind of a superficial or surface thing hey if you study this or you pursue yeah. this then you will you know get this amount of attention you know it's funny i uh ologies has a facebook group and there's a bunch of awesome people in there who post all kinds of cool science stuff and uh and one guy's like posted he's like you guys i have a date with a real ologist she's a microbiologist we matched on a thing but she's an ologist and this idea oh, of like being an ologist great. is like this cool thing like it makes me so happy because it's like a lot of times there's someone who's in line next to you in the store who's like a microbiologist you don't give a shit about their life or who they're dating or what their dreams are you know but they're really instrumental on making sure that your purell works or whatever you know but those people are are interesting they make the world go around they make it so we can drive our cars they make it so we can eventually maroon ourselves on another planet when we've destroyed this one (laughs) which is important i mean really what i would like to see happen is you know, instead of trying to figure out, you know, how do we perfect space travel? You know, there's going to be bone density loss. We're going to decay in space. We're going to, you know, we're not used to not having gravity or we have to find wormholes to get to other. It's yeah. really just sort of taking that Kurzweil idea of just uploading your brain to a thing, yep. Black Mirror style. Sure. And maybe just downloading it when you get there. Maybe a machine will just print out some type of organic m- material. Maybe it's an octopod. Maybe human brain's an octopod. Sure, I'll take it. Uh, you know, maybe that's what it is. Give me eight arms and a donut brain. <laughs> I'll take a beak over a mouth. I don't give a shit. Sure, why not? I'm done with this body. <laughs> Throw me in the compost heap. Garbage. These hands don't have suckers on them. Sure they don't. They don't. Invisibility cloak your skin? No. Nope. Loser. Look at this wallpaper. I'm not blending into this. You You're really not. You can see right now. Uh, octopods for all of us. I do feel like Mars is a little bit like like an inferior second wife. Like, let's just fix Earth first. You know what I mean? Like, let's work on this relationship. Do we really need to go to an inhospitable planet? The planet, everything about the planet is like, don't come here. Yeah. You know, are we going to be surprised if we go to a bad neighborhood in the solar system and we all get fucked? Like, I mean... How many red flags did we... The, the planet itself is red. It is itself a, a round red flag. Yeah, I know. It's a big old stop sign. It's a big stop sign on the horizon. But I do think, like, Earth's got some miles left. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Let's let's try and make this one work. You know, we can figure out the oceans. Sure. What's in you there? Know, like, what's in there? No idea. We have a pretty good idea of, you know, we're not really sure what we're going to find on Mars, but there's probably more in the oceans. There's probably more in the ocean. I learned what marine snow was. It's disgusting. What the fuck is marine snow? Marine snow is when, uh, like, organisms are gobbling things and they just, like, drop an arm or a fin and it just flutters down like a <laughs> snow globe no. and all kinds of stuff. And then the other... <laughs> other animals like below are like is it snowing and then they just they catch just lumps of things on their tongue as they go by oh that's marine snow. great it sounds yep. so nice when they say Isn't it that it? way 
say. Yeah, it's poo. Also. It's just poo and limbs. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's just any kind of detritus that, uh, that flies down. So the world is a wacky place. I feel like we should learn about it. Lastly, what are you joyful about? What are you joyful oh. about at the moment? Oh, my gosh. You know, I... I, this is so silly, but I ologies is something that I've made completely on my own. Like no network. Like it's me, and I send my stuff to an editor. Like it's been a whole. Like I did the art for it. I've wanted to do this project for ten years. I want to do something about ologies, and um and I was too chicken to do it for a long time. I was afraid of not doing it perfect, and then I just put it out there. And uh, yesterday we had our our biggest downloads yet, and uh, to date, and it's just really cool to see. It. It's really cool to see people get excited about it. I. That's something that I get excited every time I have a new episode. I know I'm going to learn something. I know I'm going to walk away with a new kind of cool science friend, and hopefully someone will get something out of it. So that's something that I don't. I never get tired of working Excitement on. Excitement really is the way in to maybe an otherwise closed-off mind. Mm-hmm. Because if someone listens, like you said, they go, oh, I didn't think I would be – I would know this. And I, I just love – because people get attached to excitement. They yeah. – they even if they don't know exactly what you're talking about, if you are excited in an authentic way, <laughs> not to the point of like, oh my god, I can't, blah, 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 you know, it's but my if, whole podcast. If you are if you are excited about it, then that's contagious because people love feeling excitement and they can understand even if they don't know the thing. The the part of that conversation is the excitement. Like I know what it feels like to be excited about things, and so mm-hmm. then that kind of opens them up to then let that thing in that they might have otherwise had shields up. Right. It's before. contagious. And I think it's like it takes away your your own shame about being giddy about something. And I will also say I'm excited. My my dad got diagnosed with cancer four, five years ago almost. And, and uh, he we got his results back yesterday. He's in, in, in as remission as you can possibly be. So, oh my God. Which is huge. Huge. That's just something that's on my mind every day. And it, yeah, and you're like, yeah, there are people who are just, you're in line next to them at Vons. And they're like going to the lab and working on hematology shit that's saving people's lives. So that's, that is really cool, the fact that we, that we, science is progressing and that we are progressing a little bit more every day. So I yeah, feel I have, super lucky. I, have, I have a friend who, uh, I've, I've, my friend Mike and I have known her since college. Uh, her name is Goalie, and she's working <laughs> on uh, trying to cure AIDS. Oh, and just no big deal. Every once in a while, we're like, "Oh, I saw you on this thing." You guys are I'm like, "You're curing diseases." I just jumped around a stage like a trained chimpanzee. Yeah, you're like, "I got verified on Twitter." Yeah, I got verified like, on Twitter. Are you verified on Twitter? Like, she's like, uh, "I'm pretty busy curing AIDS." <laughs> so yeah. you know. So way to go. Take it down a notch. Maybe a little less self-congratulatory. But, um, but I, but I do want to give you one piece of unsolicited advice. If Bring you have it. not done this. Bring it. Have your dad on your podcast. <gasps> That's a good idea. I know that you had your dad on. I did. And it was one of the most significant things I ever did. And the reason is because so it's so rare that we uh, treat our parents mm-hmm. like people yeah. and get inquisitive to, to your point being curious about them because they're just your parents yeah. like, you know everything but when you really sit down and talk to them I, I think it might you know and m- maybe you did have some of this when when he was diagnosed you you might you might have been more existential about you know oh, let's really talk and let's really but it, whether you have or not I, I think it I think it's a really great thing to do if you're both comfortable with it because it will just get you to ask questions. It will get you to relate, get you to understand, and also help people who 
are have issues with their parents or mm-hmm. not communicating well with their parents or if they're going through something similar or it just like all the way around it's just a I feel like it's a great experience for everyone and then you'll come away with it like oh my god I mean at least right. you know I, I, I did and I, and I think you 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 would I think you would probably have a similar experience. That's a great idea. I have to figure out. I'm 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 going to wedge him into an ology. Maybe a potomologist, which is a person who studies rivers. They live on a river, so maybe he I'll, lives on I'll, a river. Yeah, I'll wedge him into that. But it's funny. My dad was a broadcast journalist, so he still has his radio voice whenever there's a microphone around. So funny. When we had when we first got our our uh, answering machine, like in whatever the eighties. <laughs> Our outgoing message was like, you've reached the ward residence. And he was like so professional. <laughs> so he's really funny. He still has his radio voice, which is great. But I think that's a great idea. I will do that. You've reached the ward residence. Tra- yeah. Traffic on the one. <laughs> Literally, like we would listen. We'd, we'd snap on the radio in the morning and listen to my dad and eat oatmeal. And, you know, we'd leave him notes being like, do you think they're going to release the Iran hostages? Like oh something like that. Like, she was that kind of broadcast Yeah, he was. A, yeah. And my sister was a crime reporter as well. So I grew up with like. What's the scoop? Oh my god! I know you really were a scoop. You were you were a little gumshoe in training. I know, I know. So now when I'm like, I interview people about lizards, and my sister's like, I went to autopsies, and I was like, yeah, yours was harder. <laughs> <laughs> well, th- people need to know about lizards too. I mean, lizards have autopsies, just as Chris. <laughs> yeah, here's one. <laughs> I know that had he died of. Water causes. Yes, he died of water. Exactly. Osmosis. <laughs> Fatal osmosis. Exactly. But look at him. He lives on. He lives on forever. He looks over the you. skull of St. George. I know. The tiny little dragon that he is. I just, I'm, you need to name it and the badger. And then we'll. That's a Wolverine. Time. Wolverine? Mm-hmm. Well, Wolverine's already got a name, doesn't he? He sure does. I you call him Logan. <laughs> <laughs> He's that's, Logan. That's amazing. I asked him when his claws come out, does it hurt? And he said, every time. Every time. Every time. Well, just uh, don't mistake it for a ghost. A ghost Wolverine would be brutal. Boy, if April Richardson is listening, she just crapped her own pants. Yeah, I know. What? A ghost Wolverine? Are you fucking kidding me, dude? What? <laughs> Whoa, dude. Yeah, yeah, just in your in your cupboards. Real mess. Yeah. Real mess. Not to mention ghost poops. You don't want to pick those up. No. Do nope. ghosts poop? I don't know. That's a great question. I'm going to ask someone. I wonder if they... No, they wouldn't... I mean, that's the thing. Is it like... Because... Why would... I know. I know. I feel... Um, if you die... Like, if there is a soul, if there is this energy, like, why would it... This is the idea, like, it was just in this mold for so long that it just came out like... Like, that's why it looks like a person? Like, why would that energy look like a physical person? I know. I know. Maybe it's... Maybe their poops are ectoplasm. With the clothes. Why would they fucking why have the, the clothes? clothes? I know. But can you imagine if you had nude ghosts? Have you ever seen pictures of, like, a nudist colony? They're not all tense. You know what I mean? Like, you don't want to see old naked dead people. It basically is just like in The Shining. You yes. know, where, where he goes into the bathroom and is like the old lady makes out with the lady. She's, you know, yes. and then all of a sudden. <laughs> I watched that when I was way too young for it. And I was like, I've seen things mm-hmm. I never want to see. Yep. But I do love that that trope in horror is like the worst thing that can happen is that you're making out with a hot lady and then you pull back and she's an old crone. <laughs> like that's the worst. Like in whatever Game of Thrones, like whatever, just like, <gasps> like good lighting is the nightmare of humanity. I <laughs> But of course, yeah, with women, it's like the worst thing is like we're being chased by the guy with the axe. But for men, it's just like, you're wizened. (laughs) 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 
kill me now. I know. But this is so why. We started talking about oh. this just so you could get that. That is fucking hilarious. This is why we buy eye cream. Oh my god, that's so funny. Just moisturize. God damn it. Keep Everything about that sentence was just perfection. It's true. Watch for it. You'll see. We're You'll not going to top. Like, that was brilliant. And we're, I don't know if we're going to top that. You and definitely same. win the podcast. For all sorts of reasons, but people should uh, watch you on Innovation Nation. They should also listen to Ologies and Aww. follow you at Ali Ward, A-L-I-E. Yep, that's where Ward, I'm at. W-A-R-D. Yep, let me exhaust you with my travel schedule. Yes, and talk <laughs> about science. And, you know, if you have questions, don't be afraid to ask. Uh, Ali yes. We'll give you any information that you need. Smart. We always say on the podcast, ask smart people dumb questions. Yes. Before we all die. It's fine. We're all just ask it now. I mean, we well. were asking about ghost poops. Of course. There are no dumb questions. No. So, yeah. No, no shame in curiosity. Right. Uh, thank you so much for being here, Allie Ward. Loved it. And uh, enjoy your ghost burrito. <laughs> it's filled with ectoplasm. <laughs> 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 ID10T scanning complete. Enjoy your burrito.